This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student wellbeing, character development and academic improvement. Welcome to the Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Kaur. Okay, well, hi, I'm Peter Irvine, and uh, well, I was born in 1947 on Anzac Day, and uh, so I finished school at uh, 14, and that was year nine in those days. Uh, high school only went on to year 11, and most people finished in year nine. And uh, I would encourage people to go on. Uh, I should have, but I wasn't in that opportunity to do that. I did encourage our two boys and they did. And so I started work at 14 in 1963 in an advertising agency, very small. It grew to become one of the biggest agencies in the country. They launched McDonald's into Australia and handled many major names, clients that that you would know. In the last two years, which would have been about 1994-95, I was managing director. Hmm. Wow. And uh, I'd resigned that 1995 because our head of our connect group from church said to Sue and I, would you like to do something different? So we asked, what did you have in mind? So he said he'd been offered this concept because he was in coffee and tea called Gloria Jeans from America. So we went over, had a look, bought the rights and launched Gloria Jeans coffees in Australia in 1996. In 2005, not the plan, but God led he had the plan and he led to it to actually negotiate to buy the international brand off the Americans for the world. Wow. And so Gloria Jeans wasn't your first rodeo, Peter. You, you... <laughs> no. And that's sort of 15 countries which grew to 39 with all the problems and issues that come in life. And then in 2014, we sold the business to another company who are doing their best to ruin it. But, uh, they have a whole lot of other brands that mm. they're doing the same with. But... Uh, we set about on a journey, my wife and I, because a few years prior to actually selling, we sensed God wanted us to move out into the business world, speak, because I was being invited to speak at franchise conferences, conventions, companies, churches for their mm. business people, leadership, church services, whatever it was, uh, and fundraising dinners for charities, not for profit. And so uh, we sensed that's where God was leading us and mm. uh so we stepped back uh, a few years before selling, a couple of years, and we put an MD in to work with our chairman in the business, our, who were our partners, and uh, then we started. And uh, we, uh, that year I estimated, the first year out, I had 100 speaking invitations, primarily in Australia, but then that grew to internationally, whereas both now internationally and Australia. So pure role these days as I get on, in years because God said to me, you're not going to drift over the horizon, but I've got a plan till the day you die and everything you've learned, the mistakes, whatever's happened, the blessings, the good things mm. are going to be things that you're going to share with people. So I speak for churches, mm. to business people, their leadership church services. I run workshops for them to help their business people 
help them practically build their businesses. Um, I go to, I've been to a lot of ministries in uh, Nepal, Cambodia, Myanmar, India several times, and they actually get me to teach pastors and leaders, mm. and then they use that to help Christian business people and even reach business people yeah. in those countries. So, and I've done a lot of other first world countries so, as yeah. well. And yeah. in Australia. You haven't slowed down at all, Peter. Even though- no, and then with John Sycamore from Half Time, um, well, one of the things the chairman of our trust we set up to fund the kingdom said to us, he said, as you get on in age, didn't tell us we're getting old, but you can read it. <laughs> he said it's going to be hard to do the one-on-ones or travel as much. Mm. Mind you, that has a stop. <laughs> but how do you replicate mm. in other people to multiply, mm. to teach uh, Christian business people to do or grow their business, sort through issues, grow. So with John Sycamore from Half Time, we started a thing called Business on Purpose. And uh, so every month we've got three sessions. We've got about 40 business people that we mentor through a program. They do a bit of work. They give us feedback. And it's a 12-month program, and that's growing phenomenally. Then we put up a YouTube channel, uh, which is free. Uh, Sue and I did for, for what I do. We've got about 70-plus videos now, short videos on marketing, leadership, what Christmas means to me, what I learned from Christmas for business because I'm mm. using it as an outreach to all the non-Christian people that have signed up for it. It's free. That's great. And how do you review people? How do you overcome disaster? Because we went through a fire that burned everything to the ground mm. in Gloria Jeans. Uh, we've had banks want to pull funding. We've had people suing us, you know, all for the wrong reasons. Yeah. But you get everything on this journey. Yeah. And uh, so – We'll put that up there, Peter Irvine, Kingdom Momentum. It's free and it will help people. We've got resources. we put out two books. Uh, we've just put out a package now of 13 DVDs. We are in a workshop with 35 Christian business people about 18 months ago. We recorded it, actually worked through their vision, mission, values, their SWAT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, marketing, how do you build a championship team. Mm. And there's a workbook people can go through one-on-one. They can do it with their church business group or they can do it for their business. Um, there's that, uh, yeah, there's other things, but uh, oh, do you, do you mind me I, asking get bit, I get a bit exhausted thinking about them. <laughs> makes me tired listening to you about it. it uh, you, <laughs> Is that a helpful background? <laughs> got a l- l- lot of things going on, a lot of uh, irons and a lot of fires still going on. People listening, Peter, would, would probably without question identify that you've been a success you've you've had success in business and most things that you you put your hand to i wonder how do you define success what's what does it mean for you to have achieved so much and and does that register with you as a successful life well my view of successful life probably has changed up and down in different directions over the years but mm. as you look back and well even the desire even across that time despite making bad decisions or or maybe going off track and getting back on track the desire is to grow a great family you know with my wife and our kids they've grown up with the grandkids and to input into our grandkids and be part of their life without interfering and uh, to see them grow up and mm. come the people that God meant them to be, to be able to grow uh, businesses that actually help in a number of cases like, yes, to create finance that can fund the kingdom and help people in need, but secondly, to help other people 
uh, grow their businesses, mm. overcome issues and problems because they're all going to face them, how to get focus, how to get direction because they're the leaders, they're the future, they're going to impact even more people. So it sounds and, a bit like um, for, for you success isn't just the accumulation of of uh, opportunity or of, of wealth or, or um, gathering a reputation. Yeah. It's about exerting influence. Yeah, correct. And, and with it comes, you know, God blesses the journey uh, financially, but our aim is to really give most of it away, which is what we've done through the sale of the business. We'll set up uh, methods whereby I can keep giving from there that we have no control over again. So it's, it's all about funding the kingdom. We don't want to get to the heaven's door and say, what do you do with all that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I might not always do the right things with it, <laughs> yeah. but the intent is to do that. And it, overriding all this is, you know, what God has the plan for my life. And because I have a lot of business people say, well, I never hear from God or I don't know what it is. So I said, do you spend time with him? Mm. And they go, no. And I said, well, how do you expect him to speak to you? If you don't open the word mm. and there's today, we've got so much resource that we can Google or access to, you know, on smartphones, but even just the, for a business person, the, the John Maxwell Leadership Bible, it's the whole Bible. And he yeah. takes all the notes from his books and puts it back in as a study Bible. And that's blessed so many business people. When I got hold of that, I've, I've sold a lot of those. I actually got quantities of them so I could actually get them into Christian business or and others, yeah. by the way, in people's hands. And it's that sort of resource. And having things positively speak into your life, I get about three devotionals a day that are short mm. and are encouraging me because people said, oh, you get too much encouraging stuff. I said, no, I've got so much negative stuff coming yeah. at me. I've got to counter it. Yeah. The antidote. So into yourself, no one else is going to. Mm. So I, I just get these three devotionals, and they—you'd be surprised how spot on they are for me. Well, I think if uh, if you're open to the leading of God's Spirit, He's going to bring you the food that He knows you need, right? Yeah. Uh, three devotions. So you, you obviously have, have a very strong sense of of God being involved in the things that you do, and not just involved, but but leading you in the decisions that you make, and and informing your heart's response, can you tell me how did that start for you? Where, where did you first encounter God and find that he, he wanted to be uh, leading your path into the future? Well, again, it's a growing journey and, you know, probably the realisation of a real commitment came in the teenage years despite me being in Sunday school for as long as I can ever remember mm. and sort of believing but actually real encounter was in teenage years but and you know spending time in prayer and reading the word and wrestling with this and the relevance today but it was probably in the mid 30s right. it was one sunday afternoon i just remember i sensed god was saying to me your bible's too small and i said what do you mean and he said well you're mentally crossing out chapters and hmm. verses and books that people are telling you and books you're reading are saying are no longer relevant today and I thought to myself, you know, he's right. Well, of course he's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and from that day onwards, the Bible just opened up from beginning to end of what he has to say to me about life, relationships, leadership and business, right from Genesis to Revelation. And actually the Maxwell Leadership Bible, take, you know, someone said, where did you start? I said, Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. It took me four and a half years to get to Revelation. Yeah. Just the amount of stuff, you know, in the book of, we don't go to Leviticus or Numbers. I say, I joke with people, the book of numbers I thought was a telephone directory. 
But I said I was really staggered by how much came out of that. Yeah. That I didn't realise was hidden in there. Yeah. So I, I was actually going to ask you, and what you're commenting now speaks to it. I was going to ask you, has it has being a Christian in business made it harder to do business? Um, I would say not. Not as much in the early years. Uh, certainly, as we hit the Gloria Jeans days, we had people who said, "No, I don't believe in your values. I don't want to join your company." which I thought was great because they weren't engaged, they're not going to be engaged with us. Other staff members got upset, but I said, isn't it good? We know before they start, they're not with us. Hmm. Uh, even though they weren't Christians, uh, some of the staff members. Um, the opposition from the media and the social media um, hacks, if you like, just started to really tear the company apart because of being Christians and linking us to... Hillsong Church that they owned us, which is not true. Even Christians believed it and wouldn't come to our stores. Um, the problem is the rest of the community didn't care less and they came. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's funny <laughs> where your real friends are sometimes. Yeah. Um, so the criticism uh, and then people want to sue us. Uh, I mean, the amount of stuff went through uh, that sort of area. This day and age, I guess at my age, you you do care, but you care less mm. <laughs> because, you know, I've, I've got the microphone, if you like, the yeah. platform. Yeah. If they invite me to speak, then I'm really going to share. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Don't so invite me again. <laughs> can you unpack a little bit for us? You, you hinted there that the company that you were operating adopted a particular way of doing business or, or existing in the business world. You talked about the values of the company and that it, was a point of division for people who to feel that they well, were in or they were out. What what sort of well, values were you running in the company that well, was different well, to well, anyone else? Did, all we did from the beginning was we set about some vision. Uh, it took us a while to get some values on paper. You know, life uh, being in, in living with integrity, uh, culture of joy and passion, building life building lives and uh, changing lives, those sorts of things. But even before we got that, whenever we interviewed anyone for a job, we would share the vision and values and who we were. Mm. And a lot of people accused us of only hiring Christians. Actually, it was further from that. We actually saw a few staff members become Christians and suppliers and franchisees and, mm. and others over a course of the journey just from the association. And, in fact, new franchisees who were interested in a franchise would say to us, we really love the, the family values. Um, we found out they didn't understand what that meant. Yes. For some of them, it meant that they could yell at us a lot and we would jump because that's what happens in their family. So we had to train them to think it was going to be a bit differently for that. So what, I, what we wanted to do was to say, if we promise something, we're going to, if we make a mistake, we'll apologise and fix it and move on. Um, we would do things front to front with you know, with suppliers, with banks, with everyone. So we could be trusted. Uh, people liked us because we were sort of friendly. Um, As in nice people to be around, nice you know, people to deal with. Careful. I tried to be careful not preaching, but everyone knew who, where we stood and what we did. And so if they didn't want to join us because of that, that's great. Mm. If you want to be a franchisee because that's funny enough, no franchisee who wasn't a Christian 
they actually wanted to be part of it. Yeah. Because of it. So there was at least negative people with those. Yeah. It was just the media who didn't understand franchising, coffee, the concept. We started with the takeaway cup, that sort of yeah, media didn't understand because of the Australian culture. We broke a lot of mindsets in mm. when we started, but if we hadn't done it, we wouldn't be here today. Mm. So in the, the the coffee industry, did did you come up against the idea of, you know, um, fair trade and all, all those sorts of big economic Well, not in the early issues. days because no one knew anything about it, but fair trade came onto the scene. My, my partner, who was a coffee specialist, he visited a coffee-growing region. He'd roasted coffee for years. He knew the people around the world in coffee. And he said to me, I've read all the documents on fair trade because that's now the big thing. And he said, I'm still not convinced it's fair trade. Mm. Um, there are too many people still clipping the ticket. Yeah. So the growers aren't getting the margin everyone thinks they are. And yeah. that not just applies to coffee, but tea, uh, sugar, wheat, cocoa, yeah. everything. Yeah. And so he said, we're, we're, I've done the research, looked at it, and we're going with Rainforest Alliance because it's a group that represents them all. Uh, they don't take a margin. Um, they go and make sure the plantations provide housing, mm. uh, the chemicals are stored away from the product and in a safe area. In a lot of the plantations, it's very dangerous to work. The, the rainforest, are like, you can't be a member of it unless you follow all these guidelines. So the whole standard and price for the farmers went up yeah. significantly. Yeah. And you'll notice that people like McDonald's have had Rainforest Alliance for many years. In fact, McDonald's copied just about everything we did. And was, I just laughed when they went with Rainforest Alliance because so, they regarded us as the benchmark yeah. back then because so I knew people in McDonald's. <laughs> that decision to to um, follow a particular line of sourcing your, your, your product must have had economic implications for your company. What was well, the decision, what was well, the driver to do that sort of thing to? Well, it did, but um, keep in mind under fair trade, the pricing is expensive anyway. Right. The coffee price is driven internationally by the, the group that manages it and, and they and the market's manipulated, like, according to if they want to get more money. Mm. And you only need a frost in one plantation in Brazil and the whole world goes in meltdown and, uh, and it doesn't really have much significance on it, but they use it as an excuse. But putting that aside, we were already premium priced because we were buying the one or two pockets in the world. Mm. It gave us a quality product, better taste, better everything, but we reflected that in the price of the cup of coffee we were selling. So we established a benchmark right. that people said wouldn't work, but eventually everyone went to that benchmark. But the, the decisions you're making about the product, the sourcing of it, the handling of it, the marketing of it, and the distribution to, to your clients were, were based on those values that you had as your company about serving people, being integrity, well, we inherited through the, the franchise that we, rights we bought for Australia in 19, well, it was finally signed in 1996, that it was based around a quality product of cocoa, tea, coffee, uh, syrups and everything. And uh, we tra were trained in America, so we understood why those products made a difference in the actual company deliver mm. um, of whatever it is. And... So we adhered to that. Well, we had to under the franchise agreement anyway, but it was a point of difference to the rest of the market. Mm. It actually, in the end, the whole market moved up of sourcing better quality coffee. Mm. Uh, the barista training, everyone thought a barista, they laughed at them. These days they get paid a lot more money than normal retail workers mm. because they're in, if you're good, you're in big demand. Mm. 
Yeah, interesting. Pete, you're obviously talking with a lot of deep knowledge about the business. How, how important was becoming uh, not an expert necessarily but becoming well-informed about the, the business you're involved in versus just relying on God's goodness and God's favour to, to, to bring about the success that your company enjoyed? Well, there's a couple of key things here. One is that I knew nothing about coffee or tea when I got involved in it. I understood some about franchising, working closely with McDonald's, and obviously a bit of marketing and and leadership in a sense. Mind you, there was only me in the office and an accountant two days a week and a receptionist for a couple of mornings. That's all we could afford. So that's how we started. And my partner still had his other business in coffee and tea that he was doing so he could be paid. So we started there. I, I, so I had to find franchisee, lease sites, negotiate them, fit outs, get them built, started training until we started adding a few more people. My partner got more involved in the business. He handled the roasting of the coffee. I started to learn about coffee, etc. I'm not an expert, but what I learned is a lot about the business. Mm. Uh, what I'm sharing you about coffee or tea is just about everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the people who really know, my, my partner did, knows a whole lot more. My oldest son became an expert in coffee, worked for us for 10 years. He became the primo barista. He understood the whole coffee thing. And so they know a whole lot more, but that's okay. I, that was not my calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw my calling in the end to manage franchisees and relationships because you keep those healthy which we did have in those times. As soon as anyone else got involved, the relationships went bad and another company didn't look after franchisees or bought the business and went even, they went down further. Mm. So uh, I saw a role and I learned it from the head of McDonald's mm. how he kept relationships. He was probably a bit more hard-nosed than I was, but I did learn some tips. So it's, it's part of the journey. Um, <clears throat> I believe God has the ideas God helps solve problems. And the realisation came to me, although this has been happening for a while, when I was having quiet time, when I finished full-time at Gloria Jeans, I could sit down mid-afternoon without any interruptions to have a quiet time. Mm -hmm. People will do it at other times. And I'd open the Bible, and this is the being on a stage or everything, (laughs) and you you say a prayer, next thing, 30 minutes later, I wake up. Yeah. I'm really guilty. So, that's that's so, the peace of God. That- <laughs> this is happening every day. I thought every time I wake up, I've got all these ideas or solutions to things. Then I got really more guilty. So I thought I'll write them down. <laughs> and then I can go back reading the word after that. And then I realized, I think where the Holy Spirit prompted me is God's birthing ideas mm. and solutions that I would never even have thought of. Yeah. And they're coming out of that time with him. And because I talk all the time when I'm awake with him, yeah, he can speak to me while yeah, I'm right. asleep. <laughs> and they, they sort of come out when you wake up. Now, I know it might sound weird to people, but I then came across a verse uh, some months later in Isaiah, just tried to, I think it's Isaiah 10, I'm not sure. In the message version, it's actually really good. God says, I have things to tell you, brand new, mm. You will never have thought of them, and mm. you can't say I thought of these mm. all along. And I thought, yep, that's exactly what's happening. Mm. So I could ring people and say, I've got a solution to your mm. problem. They go, wow, that's fantastic. Where did you get that from? I said, you don't want to know. Mm. Mm. When they pressured, I would tell them, and then it's like, oh, 
like a disappointment. Mm. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. So the inspiration in yeah. in a practical sense of yeah. of how do we solve this problem? Yeah, but I could be sitting in church and a message or worship and something comes to my head. I used to think, get your mind back on this, and mm. then suddenly I realise it's actually related to something I asked about mm. some weeks ago or yesterday or this morning. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's marvellous. Peter, can I take you back? I, I was intrigued um, to, to learn. I didn't realise until our conversation today that you had already established a successful career in marketing before you ventured into to uh, Gloria Jeans. And I was intrigued by the fact that you you spoke very strongly, very passionately about uh, your your preference, your your belief that education would have would have done you. I mean, of, of anybody who could have said, actually, it doesn't matter. I made good. I worked hard. I enjoyed success without education. What gives you the sense, the commitment to say, I, I wanted my children to go as far as they could, and I wish I had gone further in my schooling when you had reached such a pinnacle of success? Yeah, look, the reason is there are a lot of, um, of entre- major entrepreneurs in the world who fail college and school and, you know, the Bransons and, mm. and there's a whole lot of them. But, uh, and, I, and I know people personally, but deep down there are a lot of struggles, basic stuff that I would have learned staying at school mm. uh, that would have probably help a bit further along the track. Mind you, I picked it up as I went. Mm. In the early years, it was I, I was of the view you work to get by and pay bills till the revelation came. We're not here to see. We're here to succeed and be successful, to be a blessing to other people, mm. and we're not here to get by and pay bills. We're taking up space on the planet if all we're doing is, you know, just for ourselves, using mm. up everything and not here to be God's instruments, which if we're his people, that's what he wants us to be. That's the command anyway. And, uh, and and I've had to learn a lot of that over many years and it took me longer than probably some people. Um, you know, in the end, the funny thing is I've been doing a lot with Nyack College in New York, mm. Christian College, been going for 100 years to their MBA students and, and pre-MBA and uh, or undergraduates. And three years ago, they awarded me a doctorate. Wow. Congratulations. And I got this email and Sue said, <laughs> she, together we laughed. <laughs> if only they knew. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> so it's funny, God brings the recognition. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I wasn't even looking for it. I, I didn't apply or anything. Totally unexpected. Yeah. Well, f- fitting recognition for obviously what you've mastered. In, in terms of being able to uh, pr- succeed in business and start business. Peter, you, you ended that first company at the lowest levels as a graduate straight out of, of school, an early leaver of school, yeah. ended up as CEO. Yeah. What, did you, what do you attribute that, that rise from entry level <laughs> to corner office? I could always, corner I could always office. say I was the last man standing. But, um, a Stephen Bradbury I, situation, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I'd worked through various departments of the agency, not creative because that's certainly not where my strength is, like production or just as a junior, then print production, then media planning by national media director. Then one day they said, we'd like you to be general manager. And I thought, well, good. Mm. Uh, Probably I've never asked for it. They felt that I could do it because the way I managed it. 
uh, media department became highly recognised in the industry. It was the people, not mm. the people. And, uh, you know, I go, okay, that's at least not in the direct limelight of CEO or chairman. Mm. Anyway, I did that for a number of years and then ended up working on McDonald's account directly because marketing, I didn't like anyone who handled that account. There was 50 people in our agency working on it. So I got that. So there was a huge amount of travel around the country with franchisee meetings, etc. Learned a lot about franchising and learned a lot, a lot about irritate, people get irritated over nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good training ground. So God had something in mind. Um, and then two years before I finally resigned to leave for Gloria Jean, so I wasn't aware that was coming. I got back from holidays. The chairman called me in and says the managing director is going to run the Dallas in America office for the agency over there and the other working directors in the company want you to be managing director. And I said, well, I don't think so. <laughs> Firstly, I didn't think I was qualified. I didn't have all the expertise. Mm. He said, no, everyone wants you. I said, well, I've got to go and pray about it. He mm. had no idea what I was talking about, but he said, yes, of course you do. So I get home and Sue, I said to Sue, well, guess what happened? So tomorrow I'll say no. She said, no, I think you should do it. I go, that's wow. not the answer I want. <laughs> yeah. Can't we talk about One this? One of the pastors, we just moved to Hillsong. Mm. Hills. At that time, Mike Murphy sort of was looking after business people. He said, I think you should do it. I said, you don't, you haven't known me long enough. Mm. Anyway, I went in and said yes. So I woke up 5 a.m. the next morning. And said to myself, don't think about this. You won't get out of bed. <laughs> too, big, too big a deal, eh? right? So on the drive in, I thought, we're going to set a vision and a mission and a plan. Now, you've got to understand back in 1994 that vision and mission were only being talked about. No one knew a lot about it. People yeah. were for very expensive amounts of money yeah. selling their expertise to LBY. It was all rubbish. The consultants. Mm. Yeah, anyway, we got a guy in who was a moderator, helped us do it. We came away with a vision and I said to the guys, we're not closing the door and forgetting this, we're going to make this happen. And looking back for two years, the agency won more clients than its history, mm. generated more turnover, made more profit. We rewarded in our in the city office 200 people with huge bonuses, a whole 200 people of them, mm. never had it happen before, every year for two years. And it all came out of setting that vision. But I, I, I believe God, I didn't think so, wanted me in that. Mm. What he gave me was the idea is you get people who are not your strengths, good people, and some of them are paid more than myself. Mm. And most business people will not do that. Yeah, that's interesting. But I had to get people that paid more. And when I turn up with a client with them, the client listens. Yeah, right. Yeah, find the best people you can. Yeah. So what, what I'm hearing, Peter, is that you – your career was developed partly by finding the things that you were good at, finding the things that were, were your sweet spot and Which was natural fit. That phase. Yeah, <laughs> but also not shying away from challenge, being willing to to have a go at something that may have been a bit out of the ordinary or a bit unexpected, and and be willing to to place your in a situation where you're going to be stretched or or, or challenged, and to yeah. surround yourself with the best people that you can find. Yeah. Did, did you have anybody in that early stage of your life speaking into your life or, or giving you help and direction and, and mentorship? Yeah, I, I, we moved to Hillsong in the year that I actually took on the MD role. Right. And it had to be God's timing because the teaching from the pastors and visiting guys from overseas and ladies and stuff, messages just spoke to me. I took notes. Mm. 
fact, I walked out of church with another business guy one day and he said, have a look at all these notes I've got this morning. I can use this all the time, mm. this week at work. And I'm going, oh, okay, mm. well, I've sort of been taking <laughs> some of this and using it. So I'm not the only one. And it was those years that helped me grow phenomenally. And then I started to read and look at things and get the right input in my life. Mm. You know, you've got to understand internet and social media was only in the embryo stages, so not like it is today. I mean, we get so much misinformation as well as yeah. good information, yeah. but at least there's access to it. And and easily. Uh, then it was harder. And but you know, but the thing I got was a message from church. Yeah. And put it in the car and listened to. Then some of them I started playing again yeah. at home, taking notes. So I can apply this tomorrow, this week, in this yeah. situation. So it, I certainly have to say the church through their their preaching yeah. was very relevant to my situation. And then just get starting to get hold of a bit of John Maxwell's, you know, books. Mm. Um, um, you know, there'd, there'd be a few others that really help, but it, it's getting the right things mm. that are going to speak into your life and practical. But it's not just reading, but what are you doing with it? Yeah, applying the things you're learning. And, and you're clearly talking about it an attitude where you're learning all the time. You're learning on the job, you're learning at church, you're learning yep. in relationships that you're forming and it, it's mm. pulling that together and saying, I'm I'm growing yep. as a fully rounded person. Yes. Yeah, that, that's terrific. So you, you reach the, the, the pinnacle in your company, your managing director, and you get this challenge to go off and start something brand new, walk away from all of that. Was, was that a scary thing to think about? Um, but funny enough, no, everyone asked me that, even when I sold Gloria Gems, no income in a sense. Um, I, I think God, because it was God's plan, he was preparing. So when the time came to leave, I was ready for the new challenge. Yeah. Despite no income. Yeah. I had money coming out of advertising so I could support ourselves. Um, so, no, I, a lot of people have that problem and they want to go back or... Yeah. Living fit. I don't think I ever did in those areas. Yeah. Um, I think over the years, um, one of the things I did want to share with younger people is uh, nothing is wasted. Mm. You're learning, and a lot of them earn a few dollars doing casual work while mm. they're at school or college or whatever. But I say to them, no, you're building your attitude, your mm. career, your future. Mm. What we're doing now. You'll be surprised what you will learn that will catapult you to the next stage. Mm. And I believe that's how they offer me the managing director's job of uh, DDB Needham, the agency, because I was faithful. I didn't understand that. I was faithful doing my job and doing it properly and having an interest in the mm. company and supporting it and those I was supporting who were above me. Mm. And I think they felt confident if they promoted me, I wasn't going to knife them. Mm. Yeah, I got you. Well, that's a, a, a nice way to bring, it, bring our conversation, Peter, back to the, the, the focus of what we're trying to do. One of the questions I was going to ask you is, is what advice would you give to a young person who's at the early stages of thinking about what the future might hold for them and what, what they might become? Yeah. You've sort of partly answered it in, in that response to say, you know, don't waste a moment, don't waste a, an opportunity to learn and, and to grow. Yeah. Is there anything else that you might want to want to leave well, with the, I, our I audience? You know, you're either watching videos, YouTube programs on TV, you know, social media or the like. Take half an hour a day 
and actually get something or even a few minutes, get some of the devotionals, get some of the positive stuff. Go to my YouTube mm. channel, free. There's so much stuff available, good stuff that's free that you should do um, that will help you just – and you're not looking for a zillion things. Mm. I'm sitting, what is one thing I can take out of that that can make a difference today mm. in my relationships with my parents, with my brothers and sisters, with my friends? Am I, am I listening to the right people, Yeah, the right voices? Don't listen to too many voices, but am I listening to the right ones? Yeah. And then be loyal to those that are paying your money to Google it now yeah. because you're probably going to ask for a reference, which is going to be really important when you go for a job sometime. Yeah, that's good. But also you're learning. And I, yeah, if I did something for someone and they paid me only for a couple of hours, I'd, I'd probably in my workload and everything I did would probably give them a day. Yeah. And I would probably work longer and not expect it yeah. to get it done properly. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, so learn the practical things but also learn about how to yeah. be the right sort of yeah. uh, person in, in the moment yeah. and, and learn to hear to the people. Yes. So uh, we've talked a lot about learning through this conversation, Peter, learning at school and what, what's the potential for that and learning on the job and learning through relationships. Last question before we uh, wind things up is what do you feel like you're learning at this stage of your life? I'm probably learning more now than I ever have and, uh, and God said, what are you doing with it? Mm. So because I've got so many distractions useless things, just difficult people. Every time you touch something and you know you're on the right course mm. because the enemy doesn't want you mm. to do that. And so I, I've got to sit down. I've started preparing more talks when I speak to Christian business or other business people for church services, for leadership. Um, you know, I've just got a thing came through. I'm going to put another one up on my YouTube channel is what are retailers doing in China with this virus mm. in the city that's closed and they're actually doing some innovation coming yeah, right. out of that. And I want to put that up on a video. Yeah. And I know that will bless people because Amen. through the business on purpose, they ran, they ran one of the videos I did on disaster recovery on my YouTube channel, which is just, a, you know, seven or eight minutes, five minutes or whatever it is, and they had over 16,000 downloads. Wow. So you get the right subject yeah. and people want to know. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, Peter, it's been fantastic talking with you. We um, celebrate all the things that God has been able to do through you and, and to hear a little bit about what he's done in you and what he continues to lead you into new opportunities of service. Uh, we really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your experience with us and we know that, that will be a blessing also to the people that are able to listen to us. So may God continue to unfold his plan and purpose for you and thank you for your time. Yeah. Do you want me to finish with a story? That would be great. Yeah, finish with a story. Yeah. Um, Oliver Wendell Holmes was asked why he was still studying Greek in his 90s. Good question. And he said, my life's not over yet. Mm. <laughs> that's good. Mm. And he said, that's all the time I've got left. Yeah, right. <laughs> make, use, make use of what, yeah. what's today, the opportunity today brings. Well, we thank you for the today that you've shared with us, Peter, and uh, may God bless you. Thanks, Peter. Okay, and that's... Uh, Let's see those that listen go forward. Amen. Amen. Okay.